Assalamu alaikum. This is Abdurrahman Murphy, and you are listening to Heartwork, the Virtues of Good Friendship, taken from Imam al Ghazali's Ihya Ulum al Din, the Revival of the Religious Sciences. In this series, we read and explore the eight characteristics that Imam al Ghazali has outlined as the foundation of being a virtuous friend. He builds off of verses in the Quran, hadith of the Prophet, وسلم, and stories of the righteous from our tradition, and we try to apply them in the context of contemporary real life examples. At roots, we have daily offerings for the community across a variety of demographics, focusing on social and spiritual growth. Your contribution helps us grow and allows us to provide more for you and your family and friends. Become a monthly sustainer at rootsdfw.org sustain, and please honor us with a visit to Dallas, Texas. Welcome home. For those who are still coming in, inshallah, if you want to come through, if we can make like, how's everybody? Alhamdulillah. Welcome home. It's good to see everybody back, alhamdulillah, uh, with a few uh, small upgrades. I don't know if everyone can notice, but we got a lot of plants. <laughs> it's like the roots, like, you know, motif, right? So the roots are strong and the branches reach to the sky, so we have to make sure that that stays there. Also, I think they give us oxygen or something, that's what they say. So it's nice to have them uh, here. Also, everything that we do for the sake of Allah that's witnessed by creation, is obviously uh, recorded for our good deeds. One of my teachers used to say, like, when you pray outside, if you're ever nervous to pray because you're afraid of, like, public perception, you know, people watching you, he said, think about, in reality, there might be, like, one person who sees you, who, like, cares about what you're doing. Might be that one person. Meanwhile, he said, like, how many blades of grass and leaves on trees and molecules in the air and the insects how many of them are watching you worship Allah and they know what you're doing because they were created by Allah and they testify for you on the Day of Judgment. So sometimes we skip prayer in public because we're kind of like eh, iffy about being watched. But in reality, we're giving up such a large reward of testimony on behalf of all the creation that could be there. So interesting. So hopefully these plants, inshallah, on the Day of Judgment will testify for us. Uh, okay, uh, we are... We are rounding the corner here, the final corner in our text, uh, Imam al-Ghazali's section on um, good, the virtues of good friendship, what it means to be a good friend. I hope, inshallah, that everybody's benefited at least somewhat, right? Again, the goal here, not to walk away with uh, a list, a rubric, a checklist. You can only be my friend if you follow these eight advices from the Imam. No, but really the goal is to hold yourself accountable and to see you know, because one of the best ways to make good friends is to be a good friend. A lot of times we, we don't live up to the standards that we expect other people to, to give us. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're practicing what it means to have beautiful companionship. So uh, we're on the seventh section. It was short. We ran through it, but I kind of want to step back a little bit. Um, and I want to go, you know, a little bit between, inshallah, um, back here. He said that it is said that if a rupture falls between two who have become brothers for the sake of Allah, so if two people, brothers or sisters, have become close, like what happens if there's like a sudden break, inexplicable, right? Like a rupture. It's not something that where it's, oh, it's, you know, it's understood that someone moved away or they hit a different milestone in life or any, no, just like a sudden break, right? Dramatic stuff. And he said that it is said that if two people have become close for the sake of Allah and there's a rupture, then this can only be through one sin committed by one of them. 
or a sin that was committed by them. This is something actually that the scholars talk about. You know, one of the reasons why we don't sin is obviously because we don't want to go to hell. But the other reasons is that sinning doesn't just make your afterlife a life of punishment, but it actually punishes you in this life. When I commit sins in this life, it makes things difficult. If I become someone who constantly lies and cheats, then I'm never going to find myself being truthful. I'm going to find my inclination to be that person which kind of, you know, does whatever I have to do, says whatever I have to say to get what I want. And we all have lines, we all have boundaries, but it's only a matter of time if a person becomes accustomed to disobedience, ma'asiyah. If a person becomes disobedient to Allah, it's only a matter of time until that disobedience transcends to their friendships. Okay? And so one of the things that staying away from these sins does is it protects us. It protects our relationships. It makes us people of integrity. Okay? If you've ever you know, been uh, out to dinner with somebody or done business with somebody, some sort of financial transaction, I mean, you know that there are people in your life that you're so close with, you, so, you trust them so much, that you would absolutely hand them your credit card. And you would say, yeah, just go take whatever you got to take care of. Can I borrow some money? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, here. And you wouldn't even check your statement, right? You know, there's some, some people you're like, Hold, yeah, go ahead and take it. I'm watching, right? <laughs> take this air tag too, like, <laughs> you know? And let me see what happens. But there are, there are some friends that are so close that, you know, and Imam Ghazali says that. He said one of the signs of true brotherhood is that a person puts their hand in your pocket to borrow some money, they take something out, and you don't, you don't reach in the count and check how much they took. Because you know they're good for it. You know they're good for it, right? And so, one of the things that causes these ruptures between people, these sudden breaks, is when people forget about their relationship with Allah. Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ نَسُوا اللَّهِ فَأَنْسَاهُمْ أَنفُسَهُمْ don't be like those people who forgot about God and as a result of that forgetfulness, they forgot who they were. They forgot themselves. If you forget Allah, all of your purpose becomes very vague. If you forget Allah, right and wrong become extremely muddled. right? And so one of the things that keeps every relationship, marriages, friendships, children, parent relationships, one of the things that keeps everybody together is remembering Allah. I'm not going to say what my nafs wants me to say because I know Allah is watching me and He's taking account of everything I say. I'm not going to do what my nafs wants me to do because I know that Allah is watching me. And, and that remembrance of Allah can make you a good friend to somebody else. Right? Can make you trustworthy with them. Okay? So if you have a relationship with somebody, a friendship, a close one, and you're going through a tough time, right? ask yourself what is the status of your the collaboration that the two of you have in terms of your religion. Do you do anything together for the sake of Allah that brings you closer to Allah? Or is everything for the sake of something else? And what you'll find is that the relationships that are for the sake of Allah are the strongest. That's why on the Day of Judgment, when no one wants to be around anybody else, nobody wants to be associated, you don't know. You don't know what everyone else's judgment is going to be. I can't walk up and be like, yeah, yeah, I want to go with... The only person you want to go with is the Prophet Everyone else, you're like, get away, get away. I got to worry about myself. Nafsi, nafsi. Allah says, every relationship is gone that day. Nobody cares about anybody. Mother will be running away from child. Child from parent. Husband from wife. Wife from husband. 
friends from each other. Everyone's dipping out, okay? And subhanAllah, on that day, that's the general state of everybody. They're, they're scared. But then there's Allah calling out that, Ain al-mutahabbina bi-jalali. Where are those people that they loved each other for the sake of God alone? They came together. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that I hate you because of everything else, but I love you because of Allah. It means that the, the, the height of our relationship, the experience that we have, we're always planning to do good to and for and with one another. Right? Instead of planning your next trip to Tulum, God, everyone goes to Tulum all the time. <laughs> Enough, man. Relax on Tulum, okay? Tulum too much. Instead of planning your next trip there, right? Why, why, not, why not go to Umrah together? Anyone here been to Umrah with your friend? Anyone here after that, your, your bond was like unbreakable? Because you're like, you have so many foundational keystone memories, right? So instead of making friendships tied together by disobedience of Allah, try to see. Anyone here had their friend group for Ramadan? Got a crew that you try to call, maybe one person, two people, three people, whatever. I remember during the, the, the pandemic, uh, the heat of it, when, when, when no one was allowed to pray tarawih for safety and things like that, you had, subhanAllah, you, people on Zoom chats, like midnight, talking about Qur'an, in their bedrooms, like just eating like all kinds of crazy stuff for suhoor. <laughs> and they're posting pictures like, oh yeah, we're having our friends Qur'an reading. And I'm like, what? This is beautiful. It's amazing. These people are going to be bonded for life now. How do you forget that? How do you disconnect from that? May Allah Ta'ala bring us closer together for His sake. Okay? So, try not to be people that think that sins don't do anything, man. Sins do a lot. Sins will start to introduce, you know, even in your marriage. If you're married, or if you're engaged, or if you're looking and... Not here. <laughs> you're not looking here. This is not allowed. One time my brother asked me, he's like, can I, can I look here? I'm like, absolutely not. I was like, leave, and I don't want to know what you do when you leave, but not here, not on my watch, okay? Sorry, I don't know, half of you are going to leave now. I was like, I was like heart work sucks. <laughs> okay? No, 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 look, if people happen to meet for the sake of Allah, then, they, then that's great, but check your intention. Make sure your intention is good. Make sure that your intention is for the sake of Allah, Right? Even spouses, I, when people start, when spouses that otherwise have very good relationships start to see things, sometimes it can be because the, the, the sin that one or both, maybe they're missing Fajr together, right? Maybe they're skipping prayers together. Maybe they're engaged in haram business together. And that kind of stuff really, it wears away at the integrity of that relationship, right? There's barakah in the goodness and there's, of course, the opposite in the absence of that. So we ask Allah to protect us, okay? This is because brothers are a distraction from cares and they help in religion. So when you have someone that's truly a companion of yours, they're the ones who always redirect your compass. You know, you'll be, you'll be worried about the wrong things. You'll be caught up in, in anxiety about certain things and they'll remind you. They'll say, hey, just remember, right? You'll, you'll get through this. Allah's with you. They're the ones that will always say the right thing in the, in the right moment. That's a good friend, okay? Ibn al-Mubarak said that the sweetest thing of all is the company of your brother or sister and reverting to sufficiency. You know what that means? He says that when you're around the right people, everything is enough. Everything's enough, right? There are some friends you have where like, it's part of the checklist. You gotta dress up, you gotta go out, you gotta eat something, you gotta spend money. It's almost like a performance. And then there are some friends you have where getting together 
there's no dress code. There's no agenda for the evening. Sometimes it's nothing but watching like dumb YouTube videos. And then, you know, hey, can I get some water? Yeah, yeah, get it yourself, right? You know? <laughs> Again, Imam Ghazali would say, he would say that's wrong. But maybe that's a sign of such closeness that it's like, yeah, you know where it is, man, come on, help yourself. There's some food in there too, eat up, right? That kind of sufficiency that in your relationship with this person, you don't feel the need to have to like one-up each other or like do things to, you don't have to document everything. Do you have your close friends that somehow your phone doesn't come out of your pocket when you're with them? You don't have to document everything? People are like, did you do anything tonight? You're like, yeah, I hung out. Like, I didn't see it on Instagram. You're like, oh. Because you were having such an enjoyable time. You felt sufficient. You felt good. Okay? So he said there's nothing sweeter than that. And the lasting affection is that which is for the sake of God. That which has some other object passes away when the object leaves. If you love each other because of a sports team, and the Mavs are killing it, or whatever, right? Can I say the Cowboys? <laughs> if you were only close to each other during the football season, and then you got together last night, and you watched that janaza, right? <laughs> that public, you know, okay? And then now all of a sudden the football season's over, right? This happens every year with a bunch of dudes. Fantasy football's done, right? For the, well, not, not, not necessarily, not yet. Right? Sometimes they go to the playoffs and whatever. But regular season, family, fantasy football is done. Those guys don't talk to each other anymore for another like six months. They see each other at Juma every Friday. Hey, who are you going to draft next year? Man, ask me about my kids. <laughs> I'm more than my quarterback. I can't trade him anymore. The season's done. But the, 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 why? The depth of our relationship is just that. How sad. And then we all go home after talking about fantasy football and shopping and you know, affiliate links on Instagram and buy this purse and great dupe and whatever, right? And then we get home and we sit and we're like, I'm lonely. I'm very lonely. Like, I don't have anyone that I can call and just be like, I'm not feeling too good. Or today was really hard. Or today was really good. And I want to talk to somebody about it and I don't want to be afraid of envy or jealousy or misunderstandings, right? So if we base our relationship on something that's temporary, guess what? As soon as that thing is gone, our relationship is gone. But if we base it on our end goal, which is pleasing Allah and earning his par- being, being privileged with his paradise, then the result is that we will never lose that friendship and we will enter paradise together. May Allah ta'ala grant us that. Okay, one fruit of affection for God's sake is that envy cannot coexist with it. There might be people that are accomplishing things that normally you would be very envious of. Like, you're almost shocking to yourself. You're like, How, why am I not jealous of this? But it's because of the, the work and the, the, the fabric, right? That close-knit stitching that you have with that person, that something happens to them. Like, you could be looking for a job. May Allah Ta'ala help everybody who's being let off. May Allah Ta'ala give us barakah on our risk. May Allah Ta'ala give everybody halal, blessed earning that is that is that is perpet- that is you know, in perpetuity, inshallah, inshallah, ya Rabbi. And it heart breaks my heart, man, every time I see somebody post, may Allah Ta'ala make it easy, inshallah, right? Remember, Allah Ta'ala opens the doors of risk, not, not HR, not HR. They don't open the doors of risk. Allah does, okay? So ask Allah, inshallah, and we'll ask together. But he says that envy can't coexist. You can be looking for a job, and your very close friend gets a job, and you're expecting, you're almost like fully expecting yourself to be envious, but for some reason you're not. That's a good sign. That means that you're a real one. It means that you really care about this person, right? 
So one of the signs of a good relationship is that you find yourself never envying them. You find yourself truly, truly being happy for them. You know one of the most emotional stories, I'm not going to cry, inshallah. One of the most emotional stories about this was the conversion of Abu Bakr Siddiq's dad. When his dad converted. Abu Bakr Siddiq's dad converted Abu Quhafa. He converted very, very late into the, uh, into the da'wah. Not very late, but later into the da'wah, right? And as he converted, and as he accepted the Prophet Wasallam, and as that became like, you know, alhamdulillah was celebrated, Abu Bakr started to cry. And the Prophet Wasallam asked him, he says, are these tears of happiness? Yeah, Abu Bakr, like, are you happy? You gotta be happy. You converted, you, your dad's been holding out, finally he accepts Islam, you have to be happy. Abu Bakr says, La ya Rasulullah, these are tears of sadness. I'm, I'm heartbroken. The Prophet says, why? He says, Ya Rasulullah, what I would have given for you to have had this moment with your uncle Abu Talib instead of me. What I would have given, you stood there, you sat there and watched Abu Talib, your uncle, who passed, and you're begging him. You're saying, oh my uncle, Ya Ammi, give me one word. I will take it on the Day of Judgment. Just say Allah. I will take it on the Day of Judgment. I will stand before Allah and I will say, oh, oh Allah, he said your name. And as his lips were about to say it, Abu Jahl, Abu Lahab, Abu, all those. You're going to turn back now, you coward? You're about to die and now is when you're going to turn around? Be a man. Die with dignity. Die on the, on the, on the tradition of your forefathers. Don't accept this new stuff. And at that moment, Abu Talib closed his lips and passed away as a non-Muslim. And Abu Bakr remembers that moment in the moment of his, one of his greatest happinesses. I mean, ask anyone who converted to Islam what their greatest wish is, it's that their parents accept. And subhanAllah, Abu Bakr in that moment is crying for the Prophet That's true brotherhood. That's true companionship. Envy cannot coexist whether in religion or worldly affairs. How can one envy one's brother or sister when all the benefit of what is his accrues to oneself? Why? Any good that happens to you, it's happening to me. Right? Imam Ghazali said earlier, when brothers are so close and sisters are so close that like you take a bite of food and I can almost taste it. That's how close we are. Right? So whatever good happens to you is good for me. You call me and tell me you got a job, it's just like I got a job. You tell me you're getting married, it's just like I'm getting married. Unless I'm already married, then there's, it's, okay. You tell me, whatever it is, like I celebrate with the same excitement as if it were me, right? This is true, this is true love for somebody. If I have that itch of envy, I have to really work on that. I have to scrub it out, man. It's like that, that burnt milk on the bottom of a pot when you make chai. The chai we make here is fire, by the way, mashallah. That burnt milk, you know you gotta scrub it. You have to treat envy like that. Envy is going to tear people apart quicker than anything else, okay? Protect yourself, not from the envier. Everyone's like, oh, people are envying me. Protect yourself from being the envier. Don't be a person that walks around. Your goodwill for others will inspire people. When you're in a group and something good happens and everyone sees you react with such positivity and optimism, they're gonna look and say, man, how can anyone hate this person? There's always that friend or those couple of people in the group that are so overwhelmingly positive that no one has any ill will towards them at all. You know, everyone's got a million excuses for them. Everyone's got a million reasons why they love them. That's the person who has nothing but love for everybody in the group. Okay? 
How can one envy one's brother or sister when all the benefit is what's for oneself? This is how Allah Ta'ala described those who love for His sake. They find no need in their chest for what others have been given, preferring them above themselves. Right? Preferring them above themselves. We talked about that. They, they chose others. They chose others. Okay? Finding need there would be envy. Another part of loyalty is to not let the relationship with the brother or sister degenerate into humiliation. If one acquires importance, sees their authority expand and their dignity increase under these new conditions, lords it over their brother or sister. You know what he's talking about here? If one of you makes it. If somebody makes it in the group. And now it's like, yeah, you know, mashallah, you know, I'm a director. I'm at, I'm at a high level. I finished my residency. Where are you at again? Are your rotations? Oh, I remember those days. Right? Well, you're still in college, right? Talking down to people because of where they're at when you made it. I always talk about this to, to, in, in, in circles that you never want to become the person who became rich and forgot what it was like to be poor. I'm not talking about money. In general, you never want to be that person. Who is more detested? Who is more detested than the one who struggled, got out of it, and looks down on those who are struggling? No one's more hated than that person. Nobody. Even the people who Allah has given them prosperity, but they didn't have struggle, and they don't rem- they're like almost excused, like, yeah, you're just living in your bubble. But for the one that was in it, and then made it out, and now they look down and say, those people, right? There's no one more hated than that. May Allah protect us. He said, that's part of loyalty. You don't ever do that. You don't ever do that. You want to know a big lesson here? Big lesson. Be aware of the capabilities of people around you. Be aware. Back to Tulum. Let's talk about it. If you're sitting in a group of people and two people just got laid off, don't start planning your vacation in front of them. What kind of senselessness is this? If you're in a group of people and this person's struggling to find work and you're like, I don't know if I should get the Tesla X or two of them. I don't know. (laughs) Such a good deal now. They're only $100,000. Just stop. There's nothing more detestable, subhanAllah, than the person that just has no clue who they're around. No clue. And then you might say, well, how am I supposed to know? Okay, well, if you don't know, better safe than sorry, isn't it? Just stop talking. Just stop. The only people that we can start to do those things with, we got that bond with them. We know, right? Hey, do you have time off in March? You do? Or are you thinking about doing something? Maybe like drive somewhere out of Start low. Don't go, don't go with Tulum. Do you want to go to Denton, right? <laughs> you want to drive to Denton for the day? Get some kombucha? Try some CBD oil? I don't know, right? No, it's for a lot, right? Denton, right? Start low, and then your friend's like, Denton, are you crazy? You're like, yeah, I'm just joking. You want to do Tulum, right? You jump that next level. That's when you jump up, okay? Don't start in a way that automatically disqualifies everybody. Even the hangouts. Why does every hangout have to be at a restaurant? What if people aren't at a place where they can afford to pay 20 bucks for for a, a mediocre cheeseburger and fries that are usually really good, actually? It's always the worst burgers that have the best fries it's like some kind of sick joke that they're playing on us, right? Okay? And that's just, not, that's just not okay. You know, one of the most beautiful things, I'll say it about some of my friends, mashallah, Allah has blessed me with. I do nothing to deserve the good friends that I have. I, 
I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm asking my Allah, why did you give me this person in my life? They're so kind. Like literally, any time they, they want to socialize, it's always like, come to my house, just come chill. Come to my apartment. Come sit with me. I'm here. I'm there. No need. No, no barrier to entry. No ticket cost to be a friend with somebody. Okay? Now again, if you have this. Now how do we know this, by the way? What, what proof do we have from the Sunnah of the Prophet of this kind of behavior? It's actually very interesting. It's not only with materials, it's also with religious practice. There was a group of companions that were under the leadership of Umar during his Khilafah. Uh, and they used to pray to Hajjud every night, or every, every so often, sorry, every so often. And during the night that they would pray, they would have this agreement. And the agreement is, we're going to go for a long time. Like, we're, if you want to pray to Hajjud, strap, you know, wear your ankle, uh, ankle braces, strap them up. Because we're going to go for hours, right? And that was just their agreement. They loved it. They loved this Qiyam. And they engaged in it. They kept that spirit alive. It was a group of brothers. So they're praying one night, and they're about to get started. Right? They look at the line. Are you guys ready? All right. Bismillah. Allah. And as soon as he starts to say, Allahu Akbar, someone walks in. Salaamu alaykum, ikhwan. Can I join you? And he's like, sure, Bismillah. They pray. He prays. He said, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim wa la'asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Okay, second raka'ah. Right? Qul a'udhu bil nas. Making the shortest tahajjud for them, compared to what they're used to. They finish, they all look up, they're like, what happened? Omar said, that guy didn't agree. He wasn't with the plan. You want to make him go through standing. We're about to read the first like 10 surahs in the Quran in one raka'ah, and you want, you want to punish him for that? You want to punish him for coming to the masjid? Last time I ever come here, right? <laughs> Should have gone to Kuba. <laughs> you know, like, masjid, that's a Medina joke. Okay, so... He's like, so even in religion, even in religious practice, you had Omar who was aware of what's going on. He was aware that we are all on this. That guy who just came in has no clue what we're doing. He just saw people praying and was like, let me join you. Omar's like, I'm not going to torture that guy. I'm not going to torture him. So this extends to other things. It extends to other things, okay? Make sure that you're somebody that doesn't grow in your authority and your dignity and look over other people. The poet said, when the noble enjoy success, they remember those who befriended them in their humble station. That's true, man. What did the Prophet ﷺ say about Khadija? Why did the Prophet ﷺ love Khadija at such a level that even after she passed away, our mother, that the Prophet ﷺ would cry simply looking at her old necklace. He would look at her old necklace and he would start to cry. He would invite some of her friends over. When they became older, he would invite them over and he would sit and spend time with them and he would you know, give them some food. Why? Why would he do that? Her family. Why? When asked, when the companions asked about her, you know, Aisha asked about her one time, other companions who were younger, some of the younger companions asked about her, because remember, she's early on in the Meccan era. She passed away early on. They were like, describe our mother Khadija to us. Tell, her what, tell us, what was she like? The Prophet said, I can't. Like, cannot. Ma cannot. Like, she was who she was. But then he said one thing about her. He said, she believed in me when no one else did. Even Abu Bakr, one narration, blows your mind. Abu Bakr is standing one time with a lot of companions, right? Ali, Umar, radiallahu anhum, all of them, ajma'een. He's standing with them, and they're talking about their shahada stories. Because remember, all the companions early on were converts, weirders, right? So it's like, the born Muslims are the weird ones, actually. Right? The born Muslims are like, what are you? You're weird. You didn't choose this? You were born into this? Oh, that's weird, right? They chose it early on. They had to choose. That was a big deal, subhanAllah. In fact, Omar said 
that the ones who will lose their religion first are the born Muslims. He said because they didn't choose it. He said that it was chosen for them. And then he said it will come off their head like a turban comes undone. If you guys know where a turban, you know. Right? For the sisters, when you take off the hijab after salah, you know how it comes off like super fast? That's what he was saying. It will come off super easy. The turban, by the way, it looks really strong. If that one tuck comes out, it falls off. It unravels. Omar said that the Islam of the born Muslim will come out like that if they're not careful. Because he said, why? They never tasted kufr. They never tasted disbelief. They don't appreciate belief because they were never... They don't appreciate the light because they, they, they never had to experience darkness. Right? So Omar and all these companions are there and they're talking about like, you know... And the Prophet ﷺ, he says, I can't ever repay Abu Bakr for what he's done for me. Amazing statement. But they all kind of have their own really powerful conversion stories, right? Like, Omar's story is amazing, Ali's story, they all have it. So what makes his so special? The Prophet ﷺ tells us, he said, every single person, every single one, gave even a millisecond of hesitation, except for Abu Bakr. The moment I told him about the message, it was almost like he finished my sentence. It's like the Prophet said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Abu Bakr said, wa annaka Rasulullah. He said he's the only person in the world who did not think about it. Not, they weren't debating, they weren't deciding. But you're processing. The Prophet is telling you stuff. It's like, I met this angel. What? Angel who? Jibreel. His wings covered the heavens. Wow. Tell me what that was like. The descriptions, right? Abu Bakr is like, I don't need to hear all that. Just tell me. What is it? And he's like, I'm a messenger of Allah. He's like, yes, you are. And that's how, that's the, that's the relationship. That's the loyalty, right? Okay? So Abu Bakr, the reason why, subhanAllah, he had such closeness with the Prophet Sallallahu is because who was he? He was close with the Prophet Sallallahu during the tough times. If you look at the closest companions to the Prophet many of them were from the era of Mecca, when there was no such thing as ease, it was all difficulty, right? So if you see one of your friends going through a difficult time right now, now is not the time to back off. Now is not the time to abandon them. Now is not that time. Not because you're hoping they're going to make it big one day, right? You're like, what's going on, Elon? I mean, Adnan. Right? <laughs> you know, when you, remember me, I was here for you. Like, no, no, no. Who cares about that stuff? But maybe on the Day of Judgment, when it really matters, they're going to say, oh Allah, when I was at my worst, he called me. When I was at my worst, she texted me. She came over to my house. I was alone. I was worried. I was broken. I didn't know what life was going to look like. And she came over and she sat with me. Didn't even talk. Just let me cry. And maybe that's it for you on the Day of Judgment. Like Maybe that's the thing. Maybe you messed up a bunch of times, but like you were just a good friend. And so all your friends prayed for you. Right? SubhanAllah. Okay? One of the early believers counseled his son with these words. My son, take no man for your fellow unless he draws near you when you need him and is not jealous of you when you can manage without him. When his station is exalted, he should not lord it over you. You shouldn't flex. Right? Friends don't flex over good friends. A wise man said, if your brother acquires a position of authority yet remains constant in one half of his affection, that's a great deal. It means that it's tough. It means that it's tough. But a good friend will always make, make effort. Okay, uh, let's go, inshallah, a little bit down and talk a little bit about here. Yeah, this is a long story, so I don't want to do this one. 
It's, it's a story that's talking about the same... Uh, okay. One of the marks of truthfulness, sincerity, and perfect loyalty is to be extremely wary of separation and instinctively shy of its causes. As it has been said, I found the blows of fate, but trivial matters, except for the parting of friends. What he's talking about here is this new subject, which is don't just brush over things that could destroy your friendship with somebody. Don't brush over those things. Don't, brush, don't, don't overlook the things that you, uh, they'll get over it. It's, you know, they'll get over They're an adult. They can figure it out. Don't do that. Okay? And in fact, don't let the distance and the drifting between people cause you to lose connection with one another. Ibn Uyayna recited the stanza and said, I have met up with folk from whom I had been apart for 30 years, never imagining that regret for them had left my heart. This is about being a person that's loyal even across time, not just space. I don't know if you guys have had parents that have friends for like 50 years. It's like the most incredible thing to see. A friend stops in from, you know, on, on a connection through Dallas, and they'll like go to someone's parents' house, and they'll be like, oh my God, and they'll start looking at pictures of them in college. They had hair, <laughs> you know, they used to wear like weird clothes and all that, right? Um, basically what we're doing now, uh, you know, and, and, and it's, it's as if they never left off. It's as if they're still at the university together. That closeness is there. Loyalty includes, here we go, here's a checklist for you. You ready? Am I a good friend? Not listening to gossip about your friend. If someone's going to start talking about your friend, don't listen. Don't listen. You don't have to stand up and be like, I object. Like, you don't have to do that. But you can tell people, hey, you know what? I, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear that. That person's my friend. Please don't talk about them. And if, it's, if even that's a little bit awkward, then you can just get up and leave. Let your, let your absence be felt. Let your silence be a message. Right? Okay? Or one of the really good things I like to do, you know what one of the best ways is? You start praising them. So we're like, man, that person's always late. You're like, they're always on time. <laughs> they're stingy. They're the most generous person I know. And you just keep going, right? It's like dropping hint after hint after hint. Eventually, you're like, look, I'm not going to stop, right? And the reason why is because the scholars say this. And if any of you have ever backbit about somebody and you're worried because they have to forgive you for the Day of Judgment, the scholars have actually gone through this mas'ala. And they've said, look, if... <laughs> Some people are like, go tell them. And then some scholars are like, hold up, young, youngin. If you tell this person, like, hey, I spent 20 years talking trash about you. All the bad things in your life are the result of my words about you to all of your friends. You're alone right now because of me. Forgive me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's very few people that are going to be able to do that. So the ulama, they say, look at how wise these people are. They say, look, if you going to them and begging for forgiveness is going to destroy your relationship then what you should do is you should replace all of the evil you said with good. So whatever you said, let's say you said 100 things bad about them, you better say 101 things good about them. you got to replace it and overdo it. Okay. Now, if they're the type of person that appreciates that honesty and you're at a point in your relationship where you can open up and be vulnerable, then that's different. Okay? Then you should. But if you, if you kind of feel like, you know what, if I open up, this is actually going to be, that's it. right? We're done then you should make sure that you say good things, okay? So don't listen to gossip about your friend, especially from one who first pretends to be dear to the friend so as to escape suspicion. So don't start to, you know, don't start to spill tea with people, the fake friends, but then speaks at random and conveys things about the friend which disturb the heart. The Prophet ﷺ was once asked, the thing that is sinful is that which disturbs your heart. Trust yourself. Trust your heart. 
The only heart that doesn't have this skill is the one that's so far away from Allah. So far that they barely even recognize that Allah is even there. Right? But everybody, inshallah, in this room and everybody in the Ummah of the Prophet Muhammad who when I say his name Muhammad you feel love for him. When I say the word Allah, you feel gratitude for what he's given. Even a mustard seed's worth, everybody has their compass in their heart. Everyone feels what is right and what is wrong. We know. That is one of the blessings of Allah. Even in the midst of darkness, in the worst of sins, the heart can still tell you that this is not right. If you're quiet enough and listen. That's the problem, is that we don't listen. We, we play a lot of things, like listen to music, podcasts, this and that. We don't listen to what the heart's saying. But just listen. Your heart will tell you. Allah created you. You have so much wonder in you if you just listen to what your heart is saying. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us good uh, uh, good listening to our heart. But then speaks at random convincing. This is one of the subtlest devices in stirring up strife. The affection of one unable to guard against it cannot be lasting at all. Someone said to a wise man, I have come as a suitor for your affection. This is like bromance, classical bromance. Okay? I want to be your friend. Right? Let's hang out. The man said, I have set a dower at three things you must do. Right? So basically they're using like marriage terms. Okay? What are they? Do not listen to gossip about me. Right? If you're going to truly be my friend, I've got to be able to trust that you're not going to just sit there as a, as a bystander. Do not oppose me in anything. <laughs> Which means what? Don't be the person that just always contradicts me for no reason. Right? You know the one that always is like the, what do they call them? The, 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 the devil's advocate, the instigator, stirring that pot. Right? It's hot outside. No, it's cold. This isn't hot. <laughs> right? It just happened to me. I was in Canada four days ago. I'm like, guys, it's objectively cold. Objectively. And they're like, no, you're, you're, you're weak. <laughs> this is like summer for us. I'm like, you guys are bona fide crazy. Like, this is cold, right? Don't just be the person that just like objects for no reason and like contradicts for no reason, right? The instigator. Don't be that person. No one likes that person. It might be, a, it might be that you're seeking a little bit of attention. That's why you're doing that. Get it checked out, right? Work on it. Don't, don't, don't do that, okay? And do not make me act rashly. So don't, don't be a person that allows people to talk poorly about me. Don't be the person that just tries to push against me for no reason. Like, be, be a brother with me. And then don't also be the person that allows me to, like, behave. Like, hold me. Give me nasiha. Keep me in check. You know, one of, the, one of the things that's missing in close friendships, a lot of people are like, oh, why don't I have any close friends? It's, like, probably the number one question I've been getting because of this class, because of this book. I don't have any close friends. All these things are so foreign to me. And the one thing I tell people is, look, I don't know, and it could be a variety of reasons, but I do think that in our era, and our culture, we have lost the ability to take advice. We've lost it. If someone has even a suggestion for us, who are you? Who are you? Imam Ghazali said even the alcoholic can tell you not to drink. Even the person who is an alcoholic stumbling down the road, intoxicated, can say, don't do this. Imam Ghazali said the, the, the clean heart doesn't look at the person, they look at the advice. Right? If a friend comes to me and says, hey, I have advice, your nafs right away just feels irritated, like swells up. Who are you? I have advice for you too. <laughs> that tone is never going places. We have to become people that 
hey, I have advice for you. Omar used to say this. Advice is great. Praise is the, is the worst. Why? Praise doesn't change me. Advice does. Someone comes to me and says, hey, you know, I'll never forget. I saw, I saw two people. I was not involved in this transaction. I was just watching. You know that Michael, that Michael Jackson, Jeffrey, Ian Popcorn? I was just watching. And I saw a brother. So there was a brother, and they were hosting us for dinner, and his wife was there. And this was years ago, by the way, years ago. So they're not in this room. I don't even know if they're, I, don't even, I, I haven't kept in contact with them. He's with, his, he's with his wife. His wife is eating dinner. We're all eating dinner together. And then she gets up and she dips. And then it's just a group of guys. And one of the guys goes, hey, man, can I tell you something? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you need to be kinder to her. And it's in front of like four guys. And we're like... <gasps> <laughs> He goes, you need to be kinder to your wife. And it wasn't like her brother. It wasn't a, he, I actually don't think they knew each other. And he goes, you need to be kinder to her. He goes, I heard the tone in your voice. You sound annoyed. Don't talk to your wife like that. And this guy had been married for like eight years, ten years. And this guy, I think, just got married. And he goes, the worst thing you can do in your marriage is talk to each other like that. And the brother took it on the chin. He's like, I appreciate it, man. He goes, I don't want to become a statistic, meaning I don't want to get divorced. Like, I appreciate it. Thanks for keeping it real. It was like it was like watching an alley oop from Jannah. Like I was just like the guy's like, hey, it's like you know, because the one guy was like, I got advice for you, and we're all like, okay, like what's it gonna be, you know, whatever. It could be like you know, hit the gym, blah blah blah, whatever. He's like, don't. And, and this is a very very sensitive relationships, right? Like who are you? He could have been like, what? Who are you, man? In my house, tell me how to be my as a husband. But the brother's heart was so pure, Subhanallah. As soon as the guy said it, you almost saw tears. He's like, really, man? Yeah, like you, you think so? The guy's like, yeah, man. I hear that tone. I see her face. It's hurting her. And the guy was like, astaghfirullah. And he changed. Wallahi, he changed. It, where is that? Where is that? A lot of people start saying, well, you know, people got to learn how to give advice. No. That's true. But, but we got to get past blaming the other side. If I can't take advice, I can't keep pointing at the other side. Well, they don't know how to give it. Well, they don't know how to take it. It's like, okay, now we're just going to sit here and be a bunch of like ignorant jahils, like just doing nothing but horrible things. One person has to concede. One person has to say, okay, I'll, I'll take the advice, no matter, how you, no matter how you tell it to me. Okay? So he said, do not make me act rashly. Loyalty includes not befriending your friend's enemy. Oh, right? If your friend obeys your enemy, they share in enmity towards you. Right? Enemy here is a strong word. Enemy here is a strong word. I don't want you guys to be like, I knew it. <laughs> Imam Shafi and I are homies, right? <clears throat> enemy here is someone that has bona fide hatred for you, proven, right? This is something that's it's, it's definitive. It's not, oh, I speculate that they're my enemy. Like, no. This is someone that has genuinely tried to cause you harm. Okay, and if it's known. This is a very exceptional case. I regret reading it publicly to you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, this next section, we're going to pause, but I do want to give you a little bit of just what it's about because it's going to be the last section, inshallah. I have to ask for, I'm having surgery on Wednesday on my knee, inshallah, so make dua for me that Allah puts shifa in the hands of the surgeon, inshallah. Um, so next one, Monday, I plan on being here. Uh, let's see how that goes, but I plan on being here, inshallah. Um, this section is really powerful, man. You know what he says? It's, it's amazing. He says, 
in summary, and we're going to go through it because it's really powerful. He says, don't be the kind of friend that's a burden on your friend. Don't be the kind of friend that's heavy to carry. Right? Be the kind of friend that is not the cause of discomfort, but the relief from the discomfort. And I know what everyone's thinking. Everyone's thinking, I would love to be that person, but there are some times where like, it's so difficult in my own life that like, I can't always be the comfort for everybody else. Like, I need comforting. Here's my point. My point is, if we focus on being relief for others, Allah is so generous that He puts it in the heart of people to reciprocate that relief. If you want to have good friends, you have to be a good friend. If you want to, be, if you want to have relief, you have to be relief. You know, the, the people that you serve will serve you back. This is part of what it means to be a believer. This is part of what it means to be an ummah. This is why Allah uses the plural in the Qur'an. Ihdina as-sirat mustaqim Guide us to the straight path. You can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. This community, being in this room, experiencing the malaika, you know, mentioning your name to Allah, this being around, you may not even know everybody here. You don't know people here. You don't know their names, but knowing that they're, they believe in the same things as you, that you're going to go pray together after this, that you enjoyed this company, the coffee, the experience that you're here for the sake of Allah. When you go to, when everyone here disperses tomorrow and goes to their respective work, job, school, whatever, they think of being amongst their ummah as where they're comfortable, right? That's why community is very important. So if we want to have that community, we have to start providing for each other. We can't only demand. We can't be like, I'm only going to give after I take. No, no, no. We have to give back to the ummah of the Prophet And let me tell you the secret, and this is very important. You can't help the Ummah of the Prophet if you hate the Ummah of the Prophet Right? You can't. If you love the fact that you are part of this Ummah, then you will start to do things for people that you don't even recognize in yourself. You'll start to help people financially, you'll start to help people personally, you'll start to serve people, you'll start to take care of people. You'll be somewhere in, at, at a gathering and someone will be like, oh, I forgot my credit card. And you're like, I got you. And you're like, I'm the stingiest person I know. I hate paying for myself, let alone other people. <laughs> Who is that? And you'll just be inspired. Why? Because you love the Ummah of the Prophet And you believe in his promise, right? So he says, don't be heavy on people. Don't be awkward with them. Rather, should you ease their heart of its care and needs and spare them having to assume any of your burdens, you should not ask him for help with money or influence. You should not discomfort them with having to be polite, to go into your situation and attend to your rights. Right? Don't, don't show up to a gathering always being like, yeah, everyone is here for me. Right? Be the person that walks in the room and says, how are you? How was your day? <laughs> I laugh because Musa today, we always ask our kids after school, tell me one good thing and one bad thing. Tell me one good thing and one thing you didn't like. So, Iman, my daughter, hates school. I always ask her, how was school? She goes, bad. I go, come on, it wasn't all bad. She goes, it was bad good. And like, it can never just be good. It's just bad good. The only good, good days are Saturday and Sunday for her. Musa loves school, right? So we always ask them, and it's kind of tough. It's tough to get Iman to like, admit to something that she liked. Um, today, the best part of her school day was that Mama bought her a toy after school. I was like... The bell rung, you know, the bell already rung, sweetie, like that doesn't count. But Musa, I'm laughing because we always ask Musa, right? He's going to be six next week, inshallah. 
and he, we always ask him, what was a good part of your day? And he just says things. And Well, lie, I hate, I hate telling stories about my kids because there's one guy in here that hates my kids. <laughs> no, I'm joking. That's an inside joke. Uh, there's a guy that complained that all hard work is is me talking about my kids. So enjoy this story. So <laughs> Musa gets home and he says, Baba, I, I did something really good today. And I said, what did you do? And he goes, and we're talking about it. Tell me a good thing. He goes, I gave my lunch money to my friend. And I was like, I gave you that money, first of all. <laughs> I was like, so you gave my money to your friend. Okay, let's continue, right? But, but I, and, and he goes, I did that. And it was crazy. He goes, I did that because I want to, I want to be at the Kawthar with the Prophet Because they learned about the Kawthar. And he goes, you know, the, the, the stones are made of diamonds and the, the water is quenching your thirst. I'm like, who are you? Imam Kortabi? Like, what's going on? And he said, I gave it because I want to be at the Kawthar. I want to meet the Prophet And I was like, wow. And, um, my, and then my wife, were like sitting there, we're like stunned. And then he looks at my wife and he goes, how was your day? <laughs> and she, she was so caught off guard. She was like, what? And I go, he's asking you about your day. She goes, it was good. He goes, oh, great. <laughs> the reason why I brought that up is so funny is because you almost expect children to want you to take care of their needs and like coddle them and like, you know, he opens up. But he just shares one thing and then he's like, how was your day, Right. And in that moment, my son taught me, like, you know, don't, don't dwell on yourself. Like, take care of others. You know, my son probably did more for others than I did today. Took care of his friend, took care of his mom, subhanAllah. You know, and, and that's something I think is a pretty good day. You know, so we'll read this, inshallah, next Monday. Uh, make dua that I can make it here, inshallah. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people that are sincere in our hearts. We ask Allah Ta'ala to forgive us of all of our sins and shortcomings. We ask Allah Ta'ala to grant us the ability to practice all these beautiful lessons. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people that are worthy of good friendship. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people that are surrounded by beautiful friends. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people that have true friendship and that experience it in every way. We ask Allah Ta'ala to cure anyone here from any illness or any, any, any ailment. We ask Allah Ta'ala to uplift anyone here who's experiencing any oppression or transgression. We ask Allah Ta'ala, here, we ask Allah Ta'ala to put barakah in, in the risk and provision of everybody here. And that if anyone is searching for provision or risk, we ask Allah Ta'ala to open the gates of his provision widely for them. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make things easy for everybody. We ask Allah Ta'ala to untie all the knots of difficulty that they are experiencing. Oh Allah, you know everything that we are going through. You know the deepest depths of our hearts. Oh Allah, even the things that we can't say with our lips, even the things that we're embarrassed to utter with our minds and our hearts. Ya Allah, you know. Oh Allah, we ask you just to be there with us and to help us, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Subhanaka Allahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nasagfiruka. One or two bulek, Jazakumla Khairan, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Ishas in five minutes. Anyone who sat on a chair, inshallah, if you could help um, by uh, directing. We have a couple volunteers back there. Humayun is back there. If you could fold your chair and carry it back to him, inshallah. Yeah, uh, no, just the, just the folding chairs, inshallah. And if anyone knows how to help stack them, if you could go back there and help stack, I'd really appreciate that. Jazakumla Khairan, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah.